Welcome back to another episode of the Third Impact Anime Podcast, and I hope you're hungry for nothing, because we're talking about Beastars Season 2. After an extremely long absence of us not covering Beastars since spring of 2020, when the first season came out, and now even Season 2 is a little bit long in the tooth, pun intended. (laughs) Uh, My name is Austin, and I am joined by two fantastic furry co-hosts why don't you guys introduce yourselves uh it's tori hi how are you all and it's ryan i'm back tori we haven't had you on the show since paranoia agent back in october and ryan you were on sort of sort of kind of for the kotatsu corner episode but what was the last episode you were actually on here live for i I don't even remember honestly don't remember it's it's been a minute It wasn't. It wasn't all the way back in Demon Slayer season two, was it? No, because I didn't actually finish Demon Slayer season two. I didn't like it. Oh man! <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, first off, first off, incorrect. Second off, that, that makes it even further back. Wow. Anyway, well, well, I'm very happy to have you both here. Um, going back and listening to our coverage of season one, uh, Bill and Tobias both were on that one, and they are not joining us this time. They just. Uh, uh, didn't particularly have uh, that much of a strong connection to season two, and I guess, Bill didn't I guess like we'll it. talk about that. Um, I'm channeling yeah. Bill's spirit, actually, so um, okay. I'm letting him speak through me. <laughs> okay, well, there will be more than enough time for us to go over that. Yes. Uh, I wasn't even on the first the, the episode for season one either, but even though I did watch it back whenever it came out. Uh, Tori, you and I watched it together. Um, so it'll be nice for me to finally you know, talk about this series a little bit. But before that, I did want to start off with sort of a, a question uh, for both of you. So um, earlier this week, there was another uh, fantastic holiday in the anime community known as Discotech Day, something that comes around every, every few months or so where the fine folks over at Discotech will do a hour to hour and a half long uh, Twitch stream talking about all of their upcoming uh, titles that they are releasing in the calendar year or have just recently licensed or are working on and what have you. And it tends to be uh, a pretty hype thing among sort of niche uh, anime physical media collectors. So I wanted to ask you both as sort of our opening question, what what would what is the the major factors that gets you to buy anime on physical media? I have to really like it. Yeah. Okay. I don't like, buy. Well, go ahead. You finish your thought. Like pretty much, I don't. I, I watch a lot of stuff. I don't own that much physical media, you know, in terms of shows. Um, but like 
Haruhi. I own everything from that. I own Cowboy Bebop, um, Bacchano. But like, I have to, I have to really like it in order to like actually be convinced to spend like probably like thirty to forty dollars on something that I could easily just like watch online. So for you, is that like the defining factor? Is like your your love for that specific show or yes. does the release it does the release itself have to have certain qualities in addition to the fact that you just like the material i mean if it has the episodes and there's like not another way to get it cheaper then yes i'll buy that one like if it's like a first release obviously it's not going to have a ton but i also don't really like in the past few years i've stopped really caring too much about like special editions and whatnot because i realized they're just big shelf pieces and my shelves are getting crowded now so i like having them i just don't really need them anymore so as long as it has like a good like dub of the episodes like like the evangelion one everybody was complaining because they had the netflix stuff and that didn't personally bother me but um Something like that. Like, it has to be something that I want to actively, like, I will actively watch, not just, like, sit on my shelf. Totally. What do you think, Tori? How do you feel about that? Well, I'm not a big rewatcher of things. So, personally, spending a lot of extra money on movies and TV shows, especially when you can only get certain things as limited editions or just really expensive box sets in general. Like, you know, certain shows are really like are Aniplex only titles and they only release those in those very expensive Japanese only Blu-rays. And I'm I'm just never gonna fork over the money for those when I literally could just watch those on a streaming service. Um and like Ryan was saying, my shelf space is running out. I mean, I buy books physically, but I mean, those, I think the argument can kind of be made on either end, like they are art pieces, like in a way, like you can display either of those things Mm -hmm. as art. But I mean, I have a really nice collector's edition of Dracula with like, uh, oh, what's that artist's name? Um, Edward Gorey illustrations. Like to me, that looks a lot better faced out as an art piece than, I don't know, a steelbook edition of top gun i i don't know you know (laughs) Uh, yes notorious anime top gun (laughs) right exactly (laughs) so i i don't know it's all about i don't want to yuck somebody's yum and i'm not going to tell how somebody how to spend their money but like i i think it's just it kind of boils down to preference i guess i just yeah i don't know i don't reconsume a lot of media unless it just had a very very big impact on me or I'm showing it to somebody to try to get them into it, I guess. Yeah, like collector's editions as a whole, I've just gotten away from because yeah. like I have a collector's edition on my game shelf of Star Wars, the Old Republic, the MMO. This is the biggest box. Like, it's just so big. Yeah. And like, I really want to get rid of it just because it is so large and just taking right. up so much real estate. And all now- I see is the front of it because I don't, I'm not going to open it because it's collectible. You know? If it's something I know <laughs> that is going to go out of print or if it's something that I know is already out of print and I come across it at a really good deal, I like will just 
buy it. Um, but so much of it now, it's just so many little tchotchkes that I'm never going to really do anything with, you know? Like, I, I have that really nice, like, take your heart edition of P5, and it's all still in the box. I, I don't do anything that with it. That one I actually did unbox. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I took the little Morgana out because he needed to be free, but, like, that's about all. Actually, I have, I have the Phantom Thieves edition, which was the one from Royal, and the mask uh-huh. sits on top of the box. Yeah, I didn't you two get little one. stinkers, I asked you about anime box set, and you both bring up video games. I, what is wrong with you? Because that, I mean, that's the that's the last big like collector's edition purchase that I made. I guess because... I guess that actually like answers my like my thoughts though is like I there's not much that can really come with like a collector's box set of like mm-hmm. any show in general that really entices me because I don't rewatch that much. I'm much exactly. more inclined to like replay a game than I am to rewatch a show right. because the, there are so many shows on my backlog. Right. The last two anime collector edition boxes that I bought that I, I can actively remember were the Blu-ray sets for Lane and Beyond the Boundary, but that's because I found them for a very, very, very good deal at Book Off. I know the Lane one's out of print. I, I don't know about the Beyond the Boundary one, but um, I don't remember what came in the Lane one. It's been a little while since I looked it up, like like looked in, in it, but the Beyond the Boundary one had some like cheap plastic glasses, a lanyard, and a keychain, and like some postcards. Like, what am I? What am I going to do with that? You know what I mean? So, so it seems like to distill both of your answers, it's just like <laughs> you, you. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Jump in here, but it seems like you both prioritize how likely you are to rewatch the thing as like the primary motivation for wanting to buy it on physical media. Yeah. Yeah. Would that be correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean. For me, I mean, I, I buy more anime on disc than probably both of you guys combined. Likely. Uh, yes, likely. it's but, true. I mean, I, but I, I do like to rewatch things every now and again, so I I enjoy having that for that reason. But, yeah. like, there are also some things that I have watched streaming only that I really, really liked that I just don't really see myself purchasing on physical media. Right. Uh, and I think most, most of the time, whenever it comes down to that, is, like, well, maybe it's a situation where the physical version isn't uh, particularly um, affordable or it's a situation where I feel like I really enjoyed the thing, but I'm not necessarily going to watch it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like, I don't really necessarily make the decision based on whether or not it's a special edition. Like, I'm a standard edition kind of person most of the time, unless it's very specific, like something like Cowboy Bebop, for example, or Evangelion, or Zombieland Saga, or something that I really love. Like, yeah, I'll probably get the limited edition for that, but not if it's, like, just chock full of nonsense. Yeah. Uh, And um, I feel like there's certain shows, too, where it's like, once you already have seen how it played out, even though it's very good, there's kind of like not really a point in going back and rewatching it again. Like kind of the fun comes from sitting down and getting somebody else to watch it. And mm-hmm. at that point, I don't know, I don't feel like I need to buy something like that. Yeah. So. And also at the same time too, like when it comes to discotheques specifically, I mean, one of the things that they're really known for is really packing their discs full of really interesting ancillary content for uh, all of the titles yes. that they get like yeah. their their release of the mystery of mamo like the loop on the third movie no like it has listen huh? when they said mononoke on blu-ray 
I slapped the card down, okay? Like, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean... That was an instant, uh, That's like. a good example. <laughs> I, I think it was, like, back in October that Dis- Disco- yeah, that Discotech announced that they were having uh, Ghost Stories uh, released on Blu-ray. That I honestly almost bought just because it is honestly a really enjoyable watch and it is difficult to find decent quality of the dub. And I was like, I could see myself watching this with like a group and just like having a grand old time mm-hmm. but i i didn't but mm-hmm. i almost did yeah and, and that's kind of what i was going on for it's like with the mystery of mamo like th- that movie notoriously has like five different english dubs yeah and, like the the only way to get all of those in one place is to buy it on disc like if you if mystery mamo is up on a streaming service well they're not going to they're not going to put all five English language versions on there. And if you're interested in the history of some of these things, like I am, then, uh, then buying the disc is kind of like, that's the little treat, right? Is mm-hmm. that you get this extra content that you couldn't get if you were just watching it on, um, on a streaming service. Um, and if you're kind of a, a quality sicko, uh, then the Blu-ray or the 4k or what have you is always going to be the best version. Yeah. But um, so so some of these factors they they factor into my own thinking on you know which which titles I decide to pull the trigger on and get the physical disc for um, but I always keep in the back of my mind that like my physical collection is uh transitory like I'm not necessarily going to keep for all time all of the Blu-rays that I get and that's fine uh, I will enjoy them for as long as I want to keep them and then I'll pass them on to someone else or sell them or, or what have you. So, mm. um, I don't know. Uh, I just, I, I wanted to get you guys' take on it just to see sort of what your buyer psychology is yep. on, uh, on physical media. The last, um, like television thing, and I say television, cause I don't think I have a single special edition anime box set, mostly because they haven't made one for Harvey. Um, but <clears throat> I think the last one I bought was for Batman the Animated Series, and that is like front and center on my shelf right now because it's signed by Kevin Conroy, and as a result, it is now invaluable. Rest in peace, King. Well, uh, I did want to say as a quick sort of aside before we get into the episode that uh, I just wanted to say thank you so much to all of our listeners who filled out our 2022 end of the year survey. Uh, I we sent that out at the end of last year and we got some good responses. Uh, it wasn't a super in-depth survey or anything, just kind of getting people's feel for how they discovered the podcast, what they like the most in terms of episode content. So that was really helpful. And uh, I want to shout out all of the people who filled that out. We appreciate it dearly. And maybe we'll be doing more surveys uh, down the line in the future. Hopefully, then we don't plan for them to be particularly frequent because I know uh, sending out surveys and expecting people to fill them out can get exhausting on the part of the receiver. But we do appreciate people taking the time to fill that out because it is really helpful and we deeply appreciate it. Did you Um, keep my test response? Heck no. I threw that straight out (laughs) into my personal collection. Thank you, Ryan. My my response I particularly liked of how did you discover this podcast? And I said something along the lines of Austin bullied me into friendship and I started a podcast with him. 100% true story. Yep. Yep. Uh, The bullying continues to this day. And with that segue, (laughs) 
We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about Beastars Season 2. Okay, so our show, uh, Beastars, the second season, aired from January until March of 2021, just about two years ago uh, from the time of this recording, and it dropped on Netflix in July of 2021. It is based on the manga written by Paru Itagaki, which ran in weekly Shonen Champion magazine in Japan. A magazine that also has uh, been around for a really, really long time. It also ran titles from Osamu Tezuka, Gonagai, and Itagaki's own father, Keisuke Itagaki, who is the mangaka of uh, the Grappler Baki franchise. Uh, the manga Beastars concluded in 2020 with a total of 22 Tankoban volumes, and Itagaki has also written the series Beast Complex, which was kind of a precursor or a uh, trial run for Beastars. She also wrote the series Drip Drip and is currently writing a manga called Santa, which apparently stars Santa Claus and has a really insane premise. Uh, And I cannot wait for hopefully someone, maybe Viz, picking that up and publishing it in the U.S. because it sounds pretty crazy. Yeah, I've Uh, heard a lot about that Yeah, it it definitely looks pretty wild. There's not a lot of Christmas manga on there. There's not a lot of Christmas manga out there in the world, so maybe yeah. that'll be something we can review down down the line. Mm-hmm. Um, Itagaki has consistently written stories starring anthropomorphic animals as protagonists, and her inspiration for that came partially from her childhood love of Disney films like Robin Hood and The Lion King. Uh, in fact, she specifically said in an interview that she had a crush on Scar from The Lion King as a kid, <laughs> uh, which... I think that's a huge red flag. <laughs> uh, she, she's also noted that she doesn't necessarily intend for Beastars as a story to be a metaphor for any actual or specific discrimination in in like real world human society. Uh, she but didn't? it's uh, again di- apparently not. Like that wasn't really I find her that intention. Really hard she, to believe. That's very interesting. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. It's just like, well, authors may say that, uh, but I don't think that it's, I don't think you can really avoid doing that. Uh, and we can kind of talk talk about that a bit later, but she didn't specifically set out, or in, at least in her words, she didn't specifically set out for Beastars to be like a uh, specific commentary on any specific kind of bigotry, even though I think it's unavoidable that those themes seep into her work and are reflected there because yeah. you, you can't not, you know, Absolutely. she just didn't do that necessarily on purpose. Um, it's also important to note that in the same interview that she said she had a crush on scar, she had a poster for Todd Phillips Joker on the wall. <laughs> so she is, wow. uh, she is a loose cannon. 
<laughs> she's a loose cannon. I would fear her. She's a moving target. Oh, Indeed. Man, it's her world. We're just living in it, truly. Yep. <laughs> it's her society. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the director of the anime is uh, Shinichi Matsumi, and he returns again from season one for this season, and he's been directing anime since the 1980s. He was an assistant director on Pompoko and Porco Rosso for Studio Ghibli, notably two anthropomorphic animal-led projects. He also directed four episodes of Osamu Dezaki's Dear Brother, and more recently he directed episodes of Rage of Bahamut Genesis and Land of the Lustrous, also with Studio Orange. Nice. He's been a longtime enthusiast of the integration of 2D and 3D animation since his work on Katsuhiro Otomo's Steam Boy back in the early 2000s. And with Beastars, he wanted to create a series where those two things really came together and complemented each other. And we can talk about the visuals in this series later on, but I think that's probably yeah, I'm, I'm one of the most... Yeah, you brought that up, though, because that is something I wanted to touch on, because uh, it, it yeah. stuck out to me that it's, like, one of the few that does it, like, really well. Mm-hmm. Right, and they have a few techniques that they use to sort of uh, accentuate that. Uh, and he talks about that in an interview where he said that they did the character animation for Beastars was done through um, facial motion capture to make the expressions look as true to genuine emotions as they could get. And then they used a variety of uh, rendering techniques to sort of make the 3D models look more like 2D animation through lighting, color, textures, FPS, all that stuff. Um, and it's, it's, it's because he's been so uh, focused on wanting to amplify and perfect for lack of a better word this inter integration of 2d and 3d styles that it and he's been doing that for decades at this point is probably why b stars looks so much better than a lot of its other 3d cg counterparts so uh, other crew members of note uh, include include the script writer nanami higuchi who wrote scripts for a handful of Studio Trigger works, including Brand New Animal. Again, very appropriate. The CGI director of the series is Eiji Inomoto, who is also the founder and CEO of Studio Orange. So he's not only the guy that runs the books, he's also on the ground in there doing animation as well, which is pretty neat. That for, is very and surprising, unique. honestly. Unusual. Yeah, it is pretty unusual. Um... And likewise, I, I did want to note that uh, apparently uh, legendary 90s action anime director Yoshiaki Kawajiri did these storyboards for episode 10. Folks would probably know him as being the director of things like um, Vampire Hunter D and Demon City Shinjuku and Ninja Scroll and that one episode or that one segment of Gotham Knight that he didn't appreciate all the executive meddling for. So he <laughs> made them take his name off of it. <laughs> Oh, jeez. I'll be honest. It was the one. What was episode 10? I binged these. I don't remember episode to episode. I, oh, I don't. Hmm, what was episode 10? Give me just a second. Oh, episode 10 was the one where Riz and Lagoshi fight in the shower room. The first time? Yeah, the first time. That makes sense. Yep, yep. So, um,. Yeah, but the, the Gotham Knight ep- the Gotham Knight segment he, that he did was the one with uh, Deathstroke. Ooh, I love that one. Yep. Arguably people's favorite out of the lot. Yeah. Mm. 
so that's that's basically all the notes I wanted to give on the production team. But I'll I'll toss it over to Tori. Uh, if you could sort of, um, in our last episode back in 2020, you guys can go listen to that now if you want. We did the Japanese and English cast breakdown for most of the primary characters, but there are a few that are unique to this season that we wanted to highlight that we didn't get to in that episode. So, Tori, tell us who are playing some of our principal side characters in this season. Um, Yeah, so I would say these are probably like the three that are most important in this season. So uh, we have Pina, who was the sheep um, that showed up, the very beautiful sheep. Um, He was voiced by Yuki Kaji in Japanese, who you might know as Todoroki in My Hero Academia, Eren Yeager in Attack on Titan, which um, I've only ever seen Beastars in English, uh, watch Beastars in English. Um, but when I saw that, it made perfect sense. It's the exact type of character that <laughs> Yuki Kaji would voice. And then in English, um, Pina is voiced by Kaylee McKee. Um, she's a relative up-and-comer. She was Yuta in Jujutsu Kaisen Zero and Testament in Guilty Gear Strive. And then there is Ibuki, and he is the lion Shishigumi leader. Um, in Japanese, he is voiced by Titan um, Titan Kuzunoki, um, who was rude in Advent Children and the Final Fantasy VII remake. He's also the Japanese dub voice for Jamie Foxx, Dwayne Johnson, and Dave Bautista. Um, totally which, checks out. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, I didn't realize that they had like a set person just for like any given actor. Yes. Most of the time they do. Yes. Um, like one actor will play the dub voice for the same actor in multiple projects. It's not always true because sometimes, you know, people retire or they die or whatever. But sure. Um, yeah. Um, and then in English, Ibuki is voiced in English by James Mathis III, who's also a relative newcomer to anime, but has played Black Panther in a number of Marvel projects, including Ultimate Alliance 3, Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite, and also plays characters in Baki and Godzilla Singular Point. And then Riz, who is the big bear is voiced by Hiroshi Shirakuma, which is really funny. Um, that is really funny, isn't it? <laughs> yes. That his last name is Shirakuma. Yes. <laughs> um, he has done various characters across the Gundam and Case Closed franchise, among many other roles. Um, in English, Riz is voiced by Patrick Seitz. That's how you say that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Either Seitz or Seitz. Seitz, okay. Patrick Seitz, he's got the heights because he's like, seven feet he's, tall he's a big guy <laughs> um you know him as dio brando in the jojo's franchise he was gamagori in kill the kill and endeavor and my hero um very accomplished in the dubbing world as an adr director and a script writer also it might have been because i was up very very late at night and i have the stupid humor of a 15 year old boy but i could not stop thinking of the riz meme Every time they said his name or he said his own name and it just made it impossible to get through like the last couple of episodes for me. <laughs> so are you saying that Riz has Riz? Hi with Riz. <laughs> That's all I could think about me devouring my friend with Riz. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Thank you. You're Thank welcome. You. You're Thank welcome. You. You're welcome. <laughs> 
I do I do think it's funny, you know, it doesn't it, it's mismatched between languages, but it is funny to me that Pina is voiced by the Japanese voice of Todoroki and Riz is voiced by the English voice of Endeavor. Right. Uh, yeah. Which is it's quite, that's quite his, funny. I know you. nothing about my hero. That's his dad, right? That is his dad. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> uh, that's quite funny. That's I could great. tell just by I watched the dub of this mostly. Um and I could just tell when he spoke. I was like, yeah, that's Endeavor. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Patrick Seitz has been around for a long time. If you don't yeah. know his like specific roles, you've definitely heard his voice. He's got he's a very in... iconic I... He, he also has he also has a type of character he plays like he plays the muscle men totally completely uh it's also worth noting that uh the opening is uh monster by yoasobi and the ending is yasashi sweet sweet eh, suisei yasashi suisei also by yoasobi who uh also did the uh opening for gundam the witch from mercury from last season uh easily one of my favorite any song uh bands groups artists i don't know that's yeah. come out within the last few years like all of their songs seem to be uh certified bops yeah yo asobi is so good and i'm so glad people are like starting to get on the hype train with them like i'm so glad they're getting the recognition yep so uh b star season two picks up basically right where season one leaves off the general premise of the series broadly is that it follows a teenage wolf named Lagoshi and his friend slash crush Haru, who is a dwarf rabbit, as they navigate their complex feelings for one another, even being from different species. Uh, beyond that, the series uh, begins with the mysterious murder of one of their classmates, who is an alpaca named Tim, and Lagoshi sort of takes it upon himself to find the culprit behind his murder. Uh, in addition to that, there's this constant drama in the background of the school from a bunch of different sources, including like love quadrangles, Yakuza lions, black market <laughs> meat dealing, trying to put on school plays, and the ever unfolding tensions between carnivores and herbivores. So, all of that being said, just laying it all out there, how did people feel about season two? We'll start with you, Ryan. <laughs> I liked it. It was a different change of pace from the first one. Like this was more of the murder mystery, which at first in season one, I was like, I want them to focus more on this. And then they didn't. They focused on the love story in season one. But now I see why it's because, you know, they structured it like in arcs, obviously. Um, <clears throat> but I, I liked the direction that season two went. It showed like a really interesting side of the world. And this is like one of the better built worlds in my yeah one of the better built worlds in anime in my opinion just because you can tell there's a lot of subtle detail that the author put like a lot of thought into and it's not just generic high school it's like no it's a high school in a world where people might eat people because that is their biological function and there's a lot of interesting like discourse among the students with that and i liked it a lot what did you think, Tori? Um, this season was definitely more CW teen drama than season one, I think. If that makes sense. 
you, you're saying that the season that isn't the love story is more CW drama than the not love story? <laughs> no, I genuinely think so. Solely because there are so many crazy plot points going in so many directions. Not even the fact that it's fo not focusing on a love story this time around. It's just because there are just for the simple reason that there are so many ridiculous things happening at one time. I legitimately forgot we were even trying to solve a murder until somebody brought it up in like the third episode. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I could I could I could get behind that. Yes. I feel like I have a lot of conflicting feelings. I don't I don't know. And it, it I was like talking to Bill today, actually. That's why I was joking about like channeling Bill's spirit through my body. And I I feel like we were in agreement. Build, makes... build the tiger or build the human? <laughs> build the human. This made me want to pick the manga back up because it just felt very messy to me. And I feel like it kind of was all over the place a little bit personally. It's not to say I didn't enjoy it. I was glad to be back in the world. I was glad to be back with the characters. I think this is a story where I very much relate a little bit with every single character that kind of shows up except for Riz like screw, screw him that's awful um but like I was just kind of glad to be back in that with all of those characters and in that story but I don't know I I don't think I enjoyed season two as much as I did season one this the second season for me also was kind of a mixed bag not because I think there are not because I necessarily didn't enjoy it, but I thought that it was it was a departure from kind of what I liked about season one into more things that I found interesting but not as compelling. And I guess what I mean by that is that like in season one, I really liked how the focus was somewhat narrow on our point of view characters with Lagoshi and Haru sort of developing this relationship between one another and having to reckon with the fact that they are of different species and that that sort of being a microcosm of what else is going on in this society where herbivores and carnivores are they exist in the same spaces and they have to learn to live with one another uh, because the society here is is bent towards equality for all of them but you know there was always this murder mystery here in the background that sort of added this layer of tension and that sort of became the principal focus of season two and that was kind of the only real focus of season two mm -hmm. uh, I feel like a lot of those interpersonal dynamics kind of went away yeah. It's like a lot of a lot of the characters got into specific silos. I, yeah, Haru like, was we not a focus of this season at all. Not at all. No. And I felt very weirded out walking away that my walking away from the season feeling that my favorite episode was about two characters that were like completely irrelevant to anything else going on. Oh, which one? The one with the uh leopard and the sheep going out shopping together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was a lot of stuff like that that I feel like was in season one that I missed in season two mm -hmm. because it just got so much more narrow with each individual character sort of being in these silos. 
um, where, you know, we have, you know, what's going on with Louie and him being the new boss of the Shishigumi yeah. and sort of that going on over here. And then we have Lagoshi trying to solve this mystery and training with Gohim over here. And then we have all of the developments with Riz going on over here. And then all the stuff with Pina kind of going on over here. And it just felt, it felt like the interplay wasn't as strong as I wanted it to be. It came together sort of more so in the end whenever all these storylines converged. But then it just kind of left me feeling a little bit empty because there were so many other characters that we really didn't see very much of in this story. Whereas they focus so much time on Haru in season one, it seems like they were looking for excuses to bring her back in season two rather than really uh, weaving her into this narrative. She just felt very sidelined. Yeah, she was definitely an afterthought in this season. Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) which is kind of a shame because I, I feel like maybe some of these issues could be fixed if we had kind of weaved together more of the content from season two in like back into season one, maybe if there was more of a firm focus on the murder mystery during what was going on in season one, um, maybe that would have felt a little bit better so that it didn't quite feel so siloed. Yeah. Maybe. I'm not sure. And then like my least favorite thing happened where he was like, um, I'm insecure. Do you still care about Louie? Oh, you hesitated for five milliseconds too long? I guess I'm gonna die now. Goodbye. And then they didn't talk for like ever after that. <laughs> yeah. It, it, and yeah. like she didn't even care about him like that. She was concerned because like that was to some degree her friend and like no one knew where he was and that's valid. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> So. I feel like we are we're we're and I'm not trying to say that I think he's like awful or whatever, but no. we are so predis we're predisposed to sympathize a lot with Lagoshi in the story overall that I feel like sometimes the story sort of fails to point out that like he's got some issues going on like his the way that he acts about Haru like trying to constantly protect her and sort of control her life is really not great. It's not particularly noble. Like, I guess it is in the sense that he wants her to be safe, but it's also weird that he seems to really not care much about her autonomy. No, not at all. Um, (laughs) So, and I, and I know that, you know, these are teenage characters or whatever, and they're, they're going to be weird. But um, it feels like that is sort of a blind spot here where we don't really get to explore that too much because we are so focused on like, you know, Lagoshi, he's he's training, he's getting stronger to to fight this big battle to uh, to to solve this mystery. It's very like shonen action kind of stuff that I don't know that I really expected that going into a show that I thought was more of like a like a character drama, like interpersonal I will say dynamics, the training the training was more than just um, getting ready for the fight. He was training himself to resist his, uh, his predator instincts so he could spend his life with Haru. 
um though that's like definitely yeah. not mentioned as much they like mention it yeah. maybe twice and the primary focus no, you, is like yeah. i need to get stronger without meat so i can kick riz's ass and like you know <laughs> yeah no no you're absolutely right like like that's kind of how he rationalizes it to himself and finds that motivation but it's 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 a bit divorced from like what haru may or might not actually want and it seems like True. in the end they do sort of establish that like oh haru she does really love lagoshi she wants to be with him but he needs to get off really... of his bullshit yeah it's it's just weird because i feel like i feel like she's not given how do I, how do i try and say it it's like she's not we're not shown that she really hmm do you what am feel, I trying to get at? Help me out here. Do you feel like everything that was set up for her kind of in the first season where she was like, how do I phrase it? Kind of like doing what she was doing to kind of like reclaim her power <laughs> was kind of taken away. And now she's just like kind of at Lagoshi's beck and call sort of in season two. A little bit, but also not really, because yeah. it's like it's not like he it's not that he's trying to it's not that he's like actively controlling her. Right. It's just that he he has decided what's best for her and she just kinda goes along with it. Right. Um it's just very weird. It kinda left a sour taste in my mouth a bit. Yeah. And maybe if we got more time where, you know, we could we could exist in the story from her perspective. Maybe we could under maybe at least for me, maybe I could understand a little bit more about where she is emotionally and psychologically throughout all of this, like what she's thinking about. Right. But we don't she, really get much of that. No, she's definitely mellowed out a lot between like season one and season two. And I'm just like, what happened? <laughs> like right. yeah. literally what happened? <laughs> this was a far less sexy season. Like they were not trying to like <laughs> Show us half naked animals, pretty much. Um, did this we season. watch the same show? <laughs> well, there was the nightclub and all that, but it was kind of a a bit yeah. of a one off. Which I have a bone to pick with that, actually. <laughs> all right, go ahead, pick that bone. Well, no, okay, because when they got to that episode, I was like, okay, I see what we're doing here, and I like this. I like this because you're trying to set this up as like, okay. I'm I'm using this to like reclaim the loss of power that I feel and that's good like I understand what you're doing here and then like that other character gets like pissed off and like sets her up so the cage comes down and then the tiger or whatever jumps up there and then this deer is like oh well if I die I die and I'm like girl no that literally just goes against everything you were just monologuing about nary five minutes ago what is going on like what was yeah. all of that for <laughs> so also, well I think it I think it well go ahead Ryan the more I'm thinking about it, Tori, the more I'm realizing you're actually very correct. I know. That this thank is basically you. a CW drama because I'm saying all these things out loud and I'm like, huh, you know, that is pretty like melodrama. Exactly. And, well, you know, it's it's kind of I think that's exemplary. What what you just outlined right there is sort of exemplary of like 
the central power dynamics of the way that this society works it's that like the the herbivores they know that at any time the carnivores can just like wreck them and there's nothing they can do about it no but, but at the same I'm, time I'm just like you're hold not on. okay go ahead <laughs> hold, on, hold on i'm getting to that um but at the same time the central tension is that like well they're just as valid of individuals with their own desires as the carnivores are and they want to act on that they want to seek that power for themselves but it's kind of ultimately tragic because they know that like despite them trying to do that they're still going to be quote-unquote weaker than the carnivores at the end of the day so there's this sort of like acceptance of fate in that regard despite all of that and you see that in louis as well yeah but like, it, it was just like an immediate giving up it wasn't even like yeah. a like a i'm trying to fight back like this this whole monologue was set up like a like yes i know i'm going to die but i will fight back and then but i mean you know that does happen in that moment i empathize with that like people mm -hmm. always go like oh you know i would i know what i would do if somebody attacked me but that's not always what happens so you know yeah. i do empathize with that but i just i don't know i feel like that was kind of like a wasted kind of opportunity for them to have really done something there i guess mm -hmm. i don't know but i see where you're coming from it, it was kind of a tonal what's the word i'm looking for like a whiplash yeah yeah that's actually a great word they they were going for one thing and they, it was kind of like not the best place to juxtapose that But also, there is some power in accepting your death and just being okay with it. No, true. Yeah, that's true, and I mean that's that's kind of that's kind of how Louis operates within the Shishigumi. Like he's it, it, and that's such a weird thing too. Like one one thing that just constantly bothers me about this show is that I can never really get a grasp of what they're trying to say about power dynamics between me the weak and the, and the powerful. <laughs> Because it's so, it's so difficult to really apply like human values to these animal characters that are sort of equal parts human beings, for lack of a better word, mm -hmm. but they're also animals. Right. And I think, in, in in the things that Itagaki has said in interviews, is that like that is sort of the central tension that she likes to play with in this story, generally speaking. And I guess the fact that it is really messy is kind of fair because, you know, if animals being animals, you know, had the same sort of societal structure that human beings do, 
where there would be a lot of really awkward <laughs> tensions in that society. Right. So I guess in in a way, I mean, she's she's exemplifying that pretty perfectly. But it's also really difficult for me as an audience member to be like, I don't really know what we're supposed to take away from some of these scenes. Like, it's really difficult to to put myself in these shoes. Yeah. Um, and then you have freaking Juno coming in being like, um, actually, segregation might not be that bad, guys. <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a that was a thing that happened. Yeah, I know. And I was just like, what? What is going on? Like, I think I had See, to like rewind that for just a second. And well, Juno just kind of wanted Lagoshi <laughs> all to herself and hated Haru. Because... I hate Juno so bad. Every time I think she's done something to like redeem herself, I'm just like, girl, why? <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> I, I but that's the thing too. It's just like me, me, me thinking in my story structure brain. It's just like, well. Okay, so, but society at large has decided that they don't really think it's that big of a deal that carnivores and herbivores sort of exist in harmony because clearly well, no, because the other the other seems animals to work most of the time right and the other animals were talking in the background of like oh well what's it matter like why are they going to separate our schools because it's not like we're not going to go you know outside of school and go into town and not be back together anyway yeah. right right exactly so i'm just like this seems like a very bizarre decision uh for the school to make that is like counter to the lesson that you want your students to learn <laughs> to, that you guys can live in harmony to me it seemed I mean, like an accountability thing because yeah we've like, all well we've all, if it doesn't happen we, on our school grounds who cares if it happens like out in a restaurant or something yeah we've all been like subject to like just stupid crap like that somebody tries to cover their own like their own ass and like just puts in some like rule so they're not liable like it doesn't right. actually help at all it's just covering themselves like it's 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 symbolic if anything Right, Maybe, yeah. and I understand that, but if that were the case, I wish they would have told us that. Like, have a scene where, like, the executive board of the uh, school has a meeting where they decide foolishly that the answer to these problems mm. is, well, we're just going to segregate they... the students. Well, no, honestly, they were I'm trying to decide about the didn't. B-Star, right? That's not that. Yeah. They were trying to decide that about the B-Star. That was way Okay, yeah, sorry. I was misremembering. They, were, they, they had like a meeting at the beginning of the season and said whoever catches the killer will become the next B-Star. Okay, yeah, and thanks. given that we had that, yeah, I have to agree with you. It was kind of odd that it was just like told to us. I think uh, Jack mentioned it. Like he had said, he had like read his phone or they all got like an email blast yeah. or something. I don't remember exactly they how did. it played out. Yeah. Yeah, it was basically like that. But um, yeah, again, I keep going back to I can't get a grip on the power dynamics of this show because they're so gosh darn messy. Yeah, and see, that's why I kind of said earlier about like wanting to go back and like pick up the manga again, because I feel like there's just a lot of context that's being left out that i wonder if it is in the manga at all <laughs> well yeah. maybe but i think just by the nature of this story and the nature of the 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 fact that this is animals for to 
flatten it kind of like animals living in human society it's just like well yeah that is really difficult to write uh, i guess right um, you mentioned power dynamics though i think the greatest example of like the power dynamic i'm gonna use the animals because i do not remember their names was when the panther ripped off the uh the aardvark's arm like completely yeah. by accident oh yeah, yeah. and like, tau or something yeah i i can't remember oh, okay. um but like basically you just kind of realize in that like entire episode oh this is the world that herbivores live in forever like they're just constantly at risk of being manhandled too hard and becoming like crippled because somebody right. accidentally ripped off their arm like i thought that was probably the best illustrator because it came out of nowhere as well like they were just like doing drama club stuff and then all of a sudden scream and somebody's holding an arm. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So I guess in in that regard too, I mean, we can f- sort of pivot and we can talk about Riz. So how did so Riz the bear is revealed to be the um Tim's murderer uh, yes. the whole time. And he's been a character that in season 1 was kind of in the background season two we get a little bit more from him and then they basically lay it all out there of like oh yeah he is the one who killed tim and they show us sort of the context of what went on that night and what he did to sort of cope with the fact that he did this ostensibly to his friend yeah um so what what did we think of all that that was a lot (laughs) I thought it was very obvious when they started like giving him speaking lines like often. Mm-hmm. Mm. I was like, oh, you're a big guy. And the guy that attacked Lagoshi was pretty big. So it's pretty obviously this guy right here. Um, yeah, it, they were kind of teeing it up, which is, I think, I think a good idea to sort of tee something like that up rather than being like, oh, it was this guy in the background the whole time. Because that I, I think cheap. it's just kind of a symptom of the fact that I've watched a lot of television and movies mm-hmm. that it's like mm-hmm. very hard to surprise me because everything's been done already. Totally. But yeah. it would have been too easy if it was someone like Bill. Right. Yeah. Um. I mean, yeah, it, it was set up. I wasn't, I don't know. I didn't feel one way about it. I didn't feel one too strong. Ooh, words. Hold on. <laughs> they <Sorry>. are hard. <laughs> I know. Um, I did not feel too strongly about it one way or another. I was just like, like I said, I completely forgot that that's what we were even doing until they had brought it up again. <laughs> and um, there someone was like, oh, yeah, uh, Tem's murder. And I was like, oh, yeah, the alpaca. He was killed. And then somehow we got on to like bear suppressant drugs. And uh, yeah. I will say though, that is real. Listen, people, if you are on medication and you think you're doing better, that is because the medication is working. Do not stop taking it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you will eat your friends. <laughs> um, well, his was right. like, his wasn't even like a an urge thing it was literally muscle suppressant yeah so he didn't accidentally <laughs> murder somebody because exactly. he's a bear exactly like, that's not even the that instance of oh i don't need it because i can mentally suppress my muscles Mm-mm. no you can't no um <laughs> and that 
That was weird for me too because like, well, what makes bears so special? Like, why don't why don't tigers and cheetahs and wolves have to take this stuff? It's very weird. Or like rhinos or something. Yeah. Wait, what's the one that's there ain't like no once gosh darn it, rhinos in the show or something that once they yeah. get going, they are like really they're like, deadly. Just, yeah. Um. Anyway, that's a completely different conversation, but. Um, I, it was really sad, um, kind of when they revealed that because like he seemed to be hallucinating and like misremembering and just kind of like in and out of psychosis. And I'm like, oh man, what really happened? Because like you see that scene of Tem being like, oh man, all you carnivores are the same. And I'm like, okay, is that what really happened? But then you also see that scene of like, oh man, Riz, I accept you no matter what. And then like, he eats him. And then, so what really happened? I don't know. And it's just really sad to think about. Um, So I thought that was, Mm -hmm. that was a good reveal because it like kind of got you thinking about like, well, is he just delusional or like, what really happened so um. I, I found Riz to be very um sort of compelling as the type of character who you know he comes around at the end and sort of has a revelation but he's one of those characters where like you know he did something like so like horrible that he knows is like horrible yeah but like he found a way to sort of think around it yes uh to allow him to just keep going like and, w- and what an interesting perspective to sort of stand up against Lagoshi. and i know that they, they both have their unique uh issues with their perspective but you know the, the the contrast between the way that they both thought about you know the relationships between carnivores and herbivores and how those can manifest is sort of like their central conflict here mm-hmm. it's not necessarily about Lagoshi trying to get revenge for Tem's death it's about well they fundamentally think differently about the way that carnivores and herbivores should interact with each other or the way that they even have the capacity to interact with one another because mm-hmm. as Riz said multiple times he was just like well the most like the most pure form of carnivore and herbivore interaction is when a carnivore eats an herbivore and then they sort of become one. Uh, whereas Lagoshi's just like, nah, dude, like, don't you realize that that's like actually awful? And like <laughs> it, it robs them of their, you know, their precious life that they're just <laughs> as entitled to as you are. And so his response to it is love. And Riz just think that's, thinks that that's silly. Like, it's incomprehensible to him. Um, yeah, I, that scene where um, Lagoshi and Gohin are, like, out in the woods. And Lagoshi's like, I'm going to eat this bug. And then he goes into that whole uh, downward spiral of, like, God, how... Um, selfish am i to think that you know something as small as a bug doesn't deserve life and i'm gonna eat it and savor it and i'm like oh my god are we on the menu right now (laughs) (laughs) this is Um, a pro-vegan propaganda (laughs) i know (laughs) (laughs) um no i i just thought that was really great because i mean he's right you should cherish everything (laughs) yes 
even bugs are deserving of life. Yeah, the bug thing was kind of um, odd, but it, it's like <laughs> it, it, it kind of reminded me of the argument that like people make with like vegetarianism uh, nowadays is it's just like, yeah, you got to eat something to live and you got to yeah. have protein. Otherwise, you're never going to like grow. So it's like I feel like I feel like Lagoshi pretty much is just like that in like wolf form. You can respectfully right, eat animals. It's, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just so much more. It's just so much more real. And again, this is part of the central, I guess, fun of uh, sort of exploring this type of world. It's just like, well, that central tension is like makes up every single relationship in this world. Yeah, you know. Uh, and, I had like and, a and kind they can't, of they can't get away from it. I had like a kind of gross thought also about like this world is that. Like, everyone dies regardless. If people really, like, need to eat meat, why don't they just eat people, like, after they've passed? Like, they're not <laughs> murdering them then. It's like... Oh, I, man, just, it... You know, um, within... With... It reminds me of a book I read last year where... Um, supposedly animals became poisonous to people and they couldn't eat them anymore so they uh. started breeding humans specifically to be harvested as meat <laughs> so it became uh, it became a farm yeah you, you you bring up an interesting idea that i think would be worth exploring within the moral framework of this series. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But no one's brought it up yet, so maybe they will. <laughs> yeah. You should write to yeah. her. I will. <laughs> like that's that's the thing. And it's like it's probably like a respect for the dead type deal, frankly. Probably. But like well that just seems yeah. like an easy solution. Like donate your body to the conveyor belt or something. Um mm. like yeah. That, that could be, like, an interesting, like, moral philosophy discussion of this series. Right. Right. To totally a thing that I th would conceivably see as being a thing they would talk about, but they just don't get to it. And again, I, I, I really do respect Isagaki for basically being like, I want to try my hardest to write a story about animals interacting with one another as if they were humans, but also at the same time still animals, and seeing how that would work out but that doesn't mean that it's not like frustrating as it goes along because it's so difficult to no, parse it, out these, it raises uh, it's so, so many it's all questions. so gray <laughs> just so many questions right right uh, so so many questions because i just got mm -hmm. reminded of that scene uh where they've got that one animal chained up and they bring that one man in there and then they cut off the chained up animal's genitals and I'm just like what did what did we accomplish there? <laughs> <laughs> well that yeah. was to that that was and to Ryan, show And um, you said this wasn't a sexy show. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that, I'm not that was shaman. <laughs> that was to show Louie that the Shishigumi is real cool, guys. Oh my god, and then the one guy covers his eyes. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> that didn't Louis didn't Louis specifically make a point in that scene of like I can't close my eyes or they'll probably kill me. No, he said right. I think he said something like, What are you, my dad? And then I oh. mean he maybe said that too, but I remember him saying, like, what are you, my dad? Um, gotcha. Yeah. So I guess, you know, we mentioned Louis a few times and, you know, he's he's sort of a central character in season one pretty significantly. Like he's kind of this an antagonistic force to uh, Lagoshi uh, within the school context. But in season two, they so I think what they did with the idea of a deer taking over the lion Yakuza and sort of what that can mean for the power of the Shishigumi to exert over, you know, other communities. And it seemed like they were kind of doing it as like a, like an olive branch to maybe not quite be so, uh, publicly disliked, but I don't really know how that was supposed to work. I also don't know exactly how a high schooler, well, one, he just murdered their boss, which power move more power to you, buddy, (laughs) but also, I don't really see how that led to them being like, yo, you killed our boss. You are now the boss. Like, maybe that's well, just that's in the a... code or whatever, but it didn't yeah. seem like that's the direction they were kind of wanting to go with him at I, first. I feel like in some places, that's just how it works, right? Like, you Right, but they were like actively like ready. To... Right, but head. they were actively ready <laughs> to murder him for killing the head. Yeah. So like yeah, well, they, um, they pivoted. Well, what's like, his it name? Entirely makes what's, sense. Well, what's his name? Uh, Ibuki basically decided, wait, guys, we can use this as a marketing advantage, like right then and there. Yeah. Uh, I don't really know what their end game for that was, because we never really get to see it. Like it also, seems to me like. Also, I didn't realize like, that Shishigumi Louis... were a brand. Right. I mean, that's kind of how they pitched it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like they. They basically appoint Louis as their de facto leader to be like, oh, guys, we can we can show that we're so, you know, enlightened and uh, smart and cool by having an herbivore as our leader, uh, something no one else will ever do. And then they don't really do much. <laughs> like, Yeah, I feel like Louis's arc is it, obviously it, they're probably going to do a season three. The show is, seems to be very popular. Um, they are but also netflix is kind of hemorrhaging at the moment but also i don't think this is a netflix decision exactly but um they are making a season three there is one season's worth more of manga to adapt oh that's it is it over yes the manga is over oh okay cool so i'm interested to see like what his arc like what the consequences of his arc are going to be because largely it seemed like he just kind of looped back to where he started in season one by the end of it like he killed um well he killed the lion dude and then went back to being a student albeit with one leg but he he didn't like maintain the growth that he got this season as like the leader of a yakuza like he well he reverted well the 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 major growth moment for Louis, I think, is sort of he's he's definitely risen above his station, right? It's like his whole central um, insecurity in season one was knowing that you know he was you know a, 
bred to be food, right? And like yeah. he had that distinct memory of being as uh, being a child and basically existing just to be eaten. He still uh, knew he his rise- like his product number or something. That's right. right. Um so he had that chip on his shoulder and it seems like he has come to an understanding of uh you know rising above his station throughout this journey and he's also developed this very strong sort of blood brothers bond with legoshi so that's his character arc from this season like i don't think he's really quick i don't think he's back to square one uh at all oh i was gonna say it when they reunite and his tail is just wagging oh yeah that was so funny yes perfect cinema (laughs) that was so funny it was just like stop wagging your tail i know Right, right. So anyway. that that to me that that was that was Louis's principal arc, but uh, it felt like a lot of it in the middle with the Shishigumi was just a lot of like tire spinning. I didn't I didn't much care care for that personally, mm-hmm. but but I I can't I can't say that he didn't at least have a character shift, even if it was kind of like well okay whatever. Yeah, I think the most of the tire spinning for me was that they revealed it was Riz way too soon. Because mm. we just built up to, like, the fight for probably two episodes too long. Yeah, because it was basically the episode right after, or, like, second to, basically, when Lagoshi gets attacked, right? I mean, I could be yeah. remembering wrong, because I also marathoned quite a few episodes back-to-back. Yeah, because um, they, they go to the nurse's office to deliver the aardvark because his arm got ripped off. And then uh, Lagoshi is like, hey, by the way, I know you killed him. And then, right, we had Dang, like yeah. th- we had like two more episodes, and then they had the shower fight. Then it was like six episodes before they had like I'm probably butchering the numbers, but it w- it felt like six episodes before they like had the final confrontation. Mm-hmm. In contrast to season one, like this one is so much more action focused, whereas season one was like a slow burn character drama, and I think that's what I liked about season one. And I didn't necessarily like the, uh, excuse me, I didn't necessarily dislike the amping up of the action in season two, but I just didn't like it as much. Even though I feel like, you know, from a, from a moral, I, I always like characters that go up against each other because they have like a fundamental, like moral difference that each of them deeply believes, you know, sort of the Professor X Magneto kind of thing. Yeah. So... I really vibe with that, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm glad that with Riz and Lagoshi we had that too, and it wasn't just like, oh, I killed Tem because I was hungry, and now Lagoshi's mad at me for killing his friend, and now we're gonna fight because I don't want to die. Like it wasn't that simple. So, is there any other elements that you guys wanted to cover about season two before we kind of wrap it up? Personally, not for me. No, I'm good. I did have a comment on how the show as a whole handles the sub versus dub um because this time i actually did watch some of the the sub which is unusual for me because you know i like dubs but um there they did something that irritated me to my very core and it's just an issue with like people still for some reason are struggling to understand how to translate japanese properly Mm. and so in the in the sub not the dub the subtitles for Louie, spell it Rui with an R, and they spell Haru Hal H A L. And to me, I'm like, you got it wrong both ways. 
Like, <laughs> yes, I know sometimes Rue is like an L in Japanese because they don't have L's, but you got it wrong both ways. When it was supposed to be an L, you kept it as an R. And when it was supposed to be an R, you turned it into an L. <laughs> Uh, part of me just wonders, like, I know the poor subtitlers at Netflix are probably overworked, and, like, there might be some discrepancy well, in sure, the, but they, uh, the show somebody Bible. Somebody was responsible for doing the translation of that. Oh, I, And they I know. did it correctly uh, in the dub. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why there's that discrepancy sometimes. It, it's uh, the fact that they got it wrong both ways, and they did it correctly in the second language. Like, right, right. it's just like there is a disconnect somewhere with like who's giving the translations. Yeah, that's that's an odd choice. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I do appreciate them uh, not doubling down on it being. No, it's Rui. Yeah, because that's not <laughs> that's, that's not, not a, a real English name. <laughs> like, no. it's like in Kingdom uh, Hearts when instead of Blaine, they call him Brain. And I'm like, no, that's dude, right. come on. <laughs> right, right. Correct. And, like, I wouldn't have noticed it as much if it were consistent, but the fact that it was, like, distinctly different between two languages was weird to me. So, I guess, last thing I will say, you know, kind of on a lighter note, I liked the opening animation, I liked the ending animation, but, man, what a massive downgrade from that beautiful stop-motion opening from season one. Please don't remind me. Please don't don't remind me. (laughs) I don't really think that that was, like possible to kind of match because it was just so good it was really great really really great so i guess motion uh, was just so charming and the song was fantastic and everyone was like Mm -hmm. dude this is amazing and i was like unless they do that again one it wouldn't have the same magic and two like i didn't really expect them to frankly totally totally so uh, what what do you think guys are we are we here for season three are we excited to see what happens next I'm still interested, uh, for, yeah. For me, I'm certainly far less interested in seeing the rest of the story than I was at the end of season one. Because if a lot of my problems of season two continue, I feel like it's ultimately just going to kind of be a bit of a shrug for me. But, you know, if the people demand it, we'll, we, we will review season three and I'll be there. <laughs> what do you think, Tori? <laughs> um, I definitely will keep watching. Um, I'm really attached to these characters at this point, so I think I will probably pick the manga back up and kind of see how I'm feeling. If there's only one season left, then I have much higher hopes than if it was like, there's potentially going to be like three or four more seasons because... Oh no, please don't. Yeah, it's it's just going to... If there's only one more season of like manga to adapt, then it could be a very just clean ending with a nice neat wrapped story and everyone mm-hmm. could potentially yep, live happily I, ever happily ever I after except for definitely... the people who inevitably will get eaten right i don't want to see it <laughs> dragged out any further than it needs to be yeah like totally. shows in general i've actually liked that for like demon slayer's already done and that show could have easily gone on to be like the next naruto so like mm-hmm. i like it a lot better when creators have a set vision for their their story and like tell the story that they wanted to tell and then just be done agreed right well folks at home listening uh what did you think about b stars season two is there something 
that we forgot to talk about? Uh, do you think we are full of crap and you want to tell us how wrong we are? Well, please do. Uh, you can send us an email at thirdimpactanime at gmail.com and we would love to hear what you had to say about Beastars Season 2 or Season 1 or if you've read ahead of the manga, sort of give us a a wink wink and a nudge nudge towards uh, whether or not we feel like some of our problems will be addressed uh, or not. But do please keep it spoiler free if you can. It was an absolute pleasure to join both of you on this episode. So thank you, Tori and Ryan, for joining me to talk about Beastars Season 2. Uh, yep. If you want to talk to us more regularly, please join the official Third Impact Anime Discord server. We have a really great community of... Um, turbo nerds over there that are willing and eager to uh, make friends with you if you are also a cool person and not uh, weird and mean uh, you can find the link to that you can be weird but not mean that's right, right. <laughs> you can you can find the link to that over on our website thirdimpactanime.com where you can also find a archive of all of our previous episodes and some show notes for this episode and others if you'd like to support the podcast financially, we would really, really appreciate that. You can find you can do that most easily by joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash thirdimpactanime. And if you would be so kind to find your favorite uh, podcasting service of choice that will allow you to rate and review podcasts, we would really appreciate you doing that. It would really brighten our day and help out the visibility of the show. And if you enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with a friend. Uh, that would be all super awesome. Final words from Ryan. Where can people connect with you? Uh, Twitter, I think. Uh <laughs> Yeah, you could uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Mitchelf Ryan. Um, you can also follow me on TikTok if you so desire. I post videos of my dog and I talk about gaming stuff, and it's generally a fun time. Even though I occasionally incur the wrath of the general populace, you can follow me there at Bowie Sensei. You do have a beautiful dog. I do have a beautiful dog. He turned three yesterday. Happy birthday! Happy birthday! He is now we're, of we're... doggy drinking age, which means he will continue to drink water because I don't want to kill him. <laughs> Man, again, okay, not not to go off on too much, but what a shame. We didn't get nearly enough Jack in this season. Yeah, yeah, Jack's my favorite. Love Jack. I love all of Lagoshi's roommates, and we saw them for like five minutes grand total. Mm-hmm. Anyway, anyway, where can people connect with you, Tori? I'm not really on Twitter anymore, but if you want to follow me over there, that's fine. Um, it's at Worst Waifu. I am, have been hanging out in the Discord, so if you want to see yeah, pictures join the of Discord, me, that's the best place to reach. Exactly, any of us. it really um, is. I just got a cat like a month ago, so if you want to see pictures Hell of her, yeah. um, come hang out in the Discord. She's really weird. <laughs> She's a cat. She's so. a cat. <laughs> And for me, you can uh, connect with me on Twitter, at least for the time being, at BebopShock. You can also find me over on Mastodon, which is the not Twitter. And uh, But my favorite my favorite social media of choice is, of course, Letterboxd, where you can find me talking about movies over on at BebopShock as well. Uh, but again, I'll echo Tori and Ryan and say that the Discord is the best place to be, that or thirdimpactanime.com. But so, uh, somewhere, you guys... because you mentioned Letterboxd, Will's ears just perked up. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> Will, Will, Will knows what's up. 
Yeah, Will loves Letterboxd. Me too. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. We'll see you next time. Go pet your dog. Don't eat your friends. Love you. Goodbye. Bye. Wait, we're not supposed to eat each other? Bye.